Good evening, everybody. This is Alex Books, and uh, this is my co-host, uh, Roger Sutherland, uh, with the Guitar Gear Locker. And um, this is our second episode of the Guitar Gear Locker uh, with uh, our special guest uh, interview with uh, Spencer Hazard of Full Hell. And um, Spencer, you know, has been a friend of mine for quite a few years, and I'm uh, just glad to have him on the show. An amazing guitar player. And, um, you know, I... I think he's pretty innovative, I think, in today's music scene. So uh, welcome, Spencer. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Good. Awesome. Um, I guess we'll just start off with, you know, uh, be a two-part question basically is, uh, you know, do you remember when it was that, you know, you, you got that passion for music? And was there a moment when you decided, like, hey, I'm going to play guitar. This, this is what I want to do. I mean, I'm probably like most, you know, like people that are into like extreme music or anyone that plays guitar. It's like, you know, I heard some like punk bands when I was like 12 or 11. And I got like a cheap guitar for Christmas. I ended up like my parents got me like a harmony guitar from Sears. <laughs> it ended up being so crappy that I actually had to return it. And we had to go to yeah. the store, and get like another Strat knockoff. But yeah, I mean, I would say probably started playing like when I was like 11 or 12, but it was a situation where I was like, kind of got frustrated with it. So I put it away for a little while. I don't think I started like taking guitar super serious until I was probably like 16 or 17. Hmm. Oh, okay. And, you know, when was it that you started, um, that you formed Full of Hell? Oh, we started when I was like 19, so that's like 2009. So we're coming up in next month is going to be 15 years. Wow, nice. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was, me, me and Dave are the original members. Uh, Dave's our drummer. Um, I first started talking to him when I think he was 14. You know, right. I, had, I had a tour booked and I was like, we need a drummer. And I found a 14 year old on MySpace, And I was like, do you just want to go on tour? <laughs> he was like, I've never been in a band before. I've never even played a show. And I was like, that's fine. That's funny. I was, <laughs> I was looking at something of yours and it said MySpace. I was like, I wonder. And I clicked it. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely gone forever. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, as far as, um, you know, your style of guitar playing, and it's it's really hard to to describe like, like for me i you know it's hard to to say like hey is he a, a punk player is he a metal player is he avant-garde experimental player you know because there's a lot of interesting things um that you do uh, as a player and um, i'm just curious like was you know was there any guitar players that inspired you um you know because like i said you're really diverse player this is a lot of interesting things going on uh, i think it's more it's more like less individuals and more of just like i like the style of a band because it's like i even take influence on how i play and how i write songs from like listening to drummers and bass players too there's never been like a situation where it's like i idolize or worship like a guitar player that's just never been my thing for some reason there's no like mm -hmm. the thing behind it is just that's just how i've been but it's like i like 
all different types of music. So why not try to take my love for a band like Dinosaur Jr. and combine mm -hmm. it with a band like Morbid Angel? Like they yeah. both, they might be on the opposite ends of the spectrum on like music, but they meet somewhere in the middle because they're both bands are doing something interesting with a guitar. Definitely. Who were your influences growing up? I mean, growing up, it was like my favorite bands were like the Ramones and like Misfits and stuff like that. Right. So that's like what made me want to start playing music. But as I've gotten older, and that's like another thing from like being into punk, I've always been like, I don't need to learn certain things on guitar. And it's kind of stifled me a little bit, but it's also too caused me to be more creative because I don't necessarily know a lot about the guitar, but I'm like, with my minimal knowledge of like theory or anything, I'm like, well, this, this shape of chord sounds cool. This mm -hmm. like style of like a scale or something, it might not be traditional, but it right. sounds good to me. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's the same for me too. It's just um, I never took lessons or anything like that. And I think you know some of the most interesting guitar players are the ones that just kind of found their own voice, you know. And uh, you know, and, and I, I and I see that in you that you, you you're not copying anybody. You're just being yourself, you know. And um, yeah, I think that's the most important thing, you know, is just to have some identity, which you have, you know. Yeah. Thanks. Well, and, you, you know, know, sometimes, it, you know, the, the lessons can kind of stifle you, too. I know when I took them when I was a kid, man, I you can only play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star so much out of that Hal Leonard book, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I started again uh, as an adult learner. It was much better. But sometimes you just have to bang it out. Well, that's the, like I took lessons for a couple years and I just like. I didn't look like you said, you did like, you can only learn the same stuff so many times. It's like, I learned all the like traditional, like standard cowboy chords you learn as a kid. And it's like, I learned the pentatonic and like the major scale, but it, like, it was an issue where I was just like, yeah, I might not pick up something right away. And instead of like trying to like the lessons, like trying to like teach me, like try to like, accentuate like my strengths they were just like well no you don't you didn't get this right right away so we're just going to do it three or four lessons in a row and it's like i feel like you don't actually learn that way it's like right. okay we'll we'll try something else and then come back to that and instead it's right. just like this feels like a waste of time and money to be you know it's supposed to be a fun activity why is it making it feel like homework right i think looking yeah. back man if you want to destroy a kid and, and guitar playing give them high action on a cheap guitar or just high action on any guitar and a bad guitar teacher yeah. like going out of a book and, and they're done. I, I was, I found skateboards and BMX bikes after that. Yeah. And that's like, after those couple of lessons, I was just like, I don't like, I'll just figure out stuff on my own. I like, and that's another thing with my playing. It's like, I maybe when I was younger learned a couple like Metallica riffs, so that's like, oh, I got my scales from that. But besides that, it's like, I've never sat, I've never been a guitar player to sit down and like try to learn someone else's songs. I'd rather right. come up with riffs of my own idea. Right, right. Now, as far as like, um, you know, as a, as a musician, as a player, 
um, you guys do a lot of, um, you know, collaborations with a lot of different people. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to keep track. It's like, you know, like Ross or something will be like, hey, did you see the new Fool of Hell? And I'm like, no, they just put something out. Holy shit, I got another thing out, you know? And um, so, you know, where I'm getting at is you guys play with a lot of different types of players, you know, different musicians too, you know, more on the like avant-garde uh, experimental people and um you know do you feel that that you know shapes you more as a musician because for me it you know playing with different people from different types of music and stuff has has shaped me as a player over the years and it's just opened up you know a a whole other world for me um yeah do you find that happening to you i think like compared like you said every collaboration we've done is something different so say when we collaborate with someone like the body it's like they're less guitar focused and it's more of like using the studio as an instrument so that's like doing those records have taught me like to use my surroundings more than necessarily like being like oh we need to write this part this part and this part it's like let let it flow and we can use the studio as like an editing tool to make the songs and i think that's been very beneficial to how we've like progressed as a band in the most recent years and like even doing a record with we just did a record with this band called nothing who's a shoegaze band it's like completely opposite end of the spectrum of what full hell is but that has taught me like with songwriting it's like you don't you don't need to be flashy it's more important to come up with parts that actually serve the song than to like stand out and like that's my actual that's my favorite part of collaborating is just being like able to work together with new people to come up with something that like we all serve each other instead of one person trying to outdo the other person i think that's like made it very helpful for me as just a well-rounded guitar player wow and as far as you know, your your equipment, you know, and the, and the gear that you use, like there's there's a lot going on there. It's like, you know, I remember being on tour with you, and I to see all these gadgets, and I just like, what the hell is going on over there? You know? Can can I just confess what I I started looking at stuff, and uh, it wasn't when uh, you did an interview and you said I play a Fender, and I was like, what? I called Alex, I was like, you play, I could, it blew my mind the noises and the sounds you're getting out of a Fender. Yeah, this wasn't what I, I, I guess I stereotyped it. It wasn't what I was expecting. I but mean, it's awesome that like a big influence on my playing, even since we started uh, Full of Hell has been like Sonic Youth and they've always used like Fender guitars and stuff. But I'm like, you know, I've gone through my phases of playing like BC Riches and more metal guitars. But it's like I think this, the third guitar I had in Full of Hell was a Jaguar and I ended up getting rid of that. And then, like I said, switching around and playing more Mm -hmm. like metal type guitars, but I ended up coming back to Fender and it's just like when we tour, people are always so blown back being like, why are you guys playing like jazz masters? Like we would think you'd be playing these like shred guitars, but it's like, Mm -hmm. no, I think, you can do a lot more interesting stuff with a guitar that's not necessarily for the genre of music that it's built for. Like 
yeah, we do modifications to it. Like I, I change the pickups a lot of the time depending on the model, mm -hmm. but like a lot of the time I keep the stuff stock and I try to like bend my, bend my writing and playing around to like how the guitar sounds. It's working. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> awesome. So what is your basic setup, you know, that, that you have? I know you're using the arm, the arm jams. Yeah. Um, still, like, I've been playing arm jams, I think, since 2012. Another situation where it's like I went through a bunch of different stuff, like more traditional, like Marshall and like Mesa, like stuff that you would think would be more suited for grind and death metal and stuff. But I just ended up being like drawn to the way that oranges look. But it's just something with the tone like i love the like classic heavy super like low end sound of an orange or a mad amp or something i think that actually makes our tone stick out a lot more than like say some of our contemporaries yeah I, I definitely... what are you using this for us like i know you have a lot of different stuff going on um i mean for most tours i use an orange th100 which is like they've discontinued it but it's like they're more steamed line metal sounding amp but you can still get a lot of low end from it or if that like if i don't want to bring that amp because since they're kind of getting rare now i use a rocker verb 100 which is their more like like flagship amp and that's more like it's more classic voice, but you can still get like a lot of the low end out of it. Um, but like you said, like I use a bunch of different stuff now. It's like I started collecting, collecting uh, some of the Mad Amp stuff. Like, cause everybody for ever since I was in high school, I went in like green, green amps or Mad Amps. And everyone was like charging double of what they got them for. But if you just direct order from the website, they're like as much as an amp would be in the U S and it's free shipping. So it's <laughs> like, I found that loophole instead of paying like $3,500 for an amp I want. It's like, Oh, if you order direct from them, it's like $1,800. You just have uh, to eat. Nice. Yeah. But I mean, and then too, with us touring, like, you know, with emulation, you've seen that we use a ton of different pedals and stuff. And it's like, I can't even go through, like there's a couple delays and distortions that I can't like live without, but like a lot of it is more just like fill space than the actually like affect our guitars. It's more of just like little, little like colors that we put on the riffs instead of just like being like, oh, we need this pedal for this part. Mm-hmm. Wow. Rogers is actually an orange guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, so I'm a pickup winder, and I, I my main amp out here is a an orange. It's just an OR15. But I, everybody that comes by and plugs their guitar into that guitar, they're like, "Wow, what is this?" I'm like, it's just an OR15 you can buy at the store. Nothing special. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, you they can get crystal clear and so chimey and then so raunchy, dirty. Uh, and unlike you, I I at first I hated the orange. I hated the color, but now I love it. It's yeah. so nostalgic looking. Yeah, I mean, I like you go back and see like all the videos of like bands playing them from the 60s, and it's just like yeah. so striking. 
And yeah. it's like, I feel like they're still like striking, especially too for like playing with like playing and touring with death metal bands. You always see everybody using the typical Mesa, whatever. Sure. It's like you yeah. see the orange on stage and you're like, hmm, I wonder what that's going to sound like. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I absolutely dig the originality that you have, you know, and the music and in the gear. That I mean, we could get all kinds of nerdy with the gear. What kind of pickups do you like? I honestly, so I like the cheaper Seymour Duncan pickups. Like I like Duncan JBs, just like, you know, the $65, 70 Duncan JBs. But yeah. I found out I accidentally ordered a duncan jb for floyd rose spacing i didn't mm -hmm. realize it was floyd rhodes floyd rose spacing on it and i put it in my mm -hmm. one jazz master but i noticed that it's like a slight bit hotter than a standard right. jb and right. that's all i've gone to now is just like the floyd spacing it's not perfect underneath the strings but right something with it just makes everything so much tighter sounding yeah and sometimes that, that's where the magic happens is where you you know, you can take like a, a standard PAF with a 49.2 spacing and throw it on a Floyd and you just get a different sound out of it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And like, I love doing the thing. I forget. There was some band I was watching their rig rundown and they talked about like how they only play one pickup guitars because of like, they have the theory that the neck pickup like sucks some of the sound out because it's like an yeah. extra magnet. So not every one of my guitars, but a few of my guitars, I've just gutted the insides completely except for the bridge. And yeah. it's almost like with like a Jaguar or a Jazzmaster, there's so much extra space for the electronics. But right. when you gut everything out of it, it makes it almost sound like a hollow body guitar right. at that point. Right. Like I have a uh, Kurt Cobain signature Jaguar and it had like a ton of extra knobs and stuff, but it was like to his spec. So I just hated playing it. But once I like gutted everything out, one pickup, one volume knob, and just had like all the cavity just wide open. It's just like, right. it made it one of my best sounding guitars that I own. Yeah. I, I mean, not to sound like a super stalker, but I think I saw that. It, um, the guitar had like no knobs in it, no fun, yeah. uh, no bridge pick or, uh, neck pickup in it it just looked gnarly which is cool yeah you know when, whenever you see i love guys that just have original looking guitars come through my shop like yeah. it's personalized and and just funky yeah and it's i like before before the pandemic i was playing uh aluminum guitars as well mm -hmm. and we ended up in 2019 having our entire van with all of our equipment stolen and one of the best guitars I've ever owned was in that, in the the theft. It was like uh, this guy that records us sometimes in Baltimore called Developing Nation Studios. He made it for me. And he's made me a couple other ones, but the one that got stolen was just something special. And mm -hmm. then from taking the years off of not touring, it's like I can only use the aluminum next stuff for studio because it's like, those couple years off, like completely wore out the muscle in my neck. So I can't play heavy guitars at all anymore. Wow. Did it have a little bit of neck dive to it? It's he's like surprisingly compared to like 
say like a Travis Bean or something, he uh, was able to like figure out like the perfect counterbalance. Oh, wow. Like, the first couple, like I have two that are like kind well, the one that got stolen was like based on a Gibson Marauder. Mm-hmm. So like kind of like a Les Paul shape. And then he did the replacement for that is based on some sort of weird eighties Les Paul Jr. It was like a shred Les right. Paul Jr. They made for a year. And right. that one is like, that one doesn't dive at all. But I also have one for, uh, we play in E flat as well. I have one tuned to E flat, which is based on the Gibson Corvus, which is like considered one of the ugliest good guitar designs ever made. That mm-hmm. one lot of neck dive because it's more neck than there is body right right yeah when you're in the studio do you do you like to use different guitars for different sounds and things like that like will you go in like with four or five different guitars i mean i think the last like we we are still sitting on a couple different recording sessions for records that we're still waiting to put out um i think the last session we did I brought like seven guitars to that. It was like a couple different single coil guitars, a couple different like my live guitars, a couple guitars. I'm like, I don't want to take this on the road because I don't want anything to happen to this. But even when we did that record with the band Nothing, I bought a couple uh, Gretsch guitars because I was like, this record's going to sound different. We should get some really like out there sounding stuff for like metal. The one, I think it was a duo jet. I didn't really click with it, but the hollow body, I forget the model because it's like some long, dumb number name, not like a real <laughs> guitar. Uh, that one is like, I take to the studio all the time now. It's just like hollow body with a Bigsby. Absolutely hate the Bigsby, but it does <laughs> give you a different sound. Okay. Well, that metal there. Yeah. It's you know <laughs> yeah and as far as you were saying about seymour duncans i remember you, you pretty sure you guys you were using like the lace sensor pickups is that am i right or that was a while ago yeah that was uh that was a few years ago i just it ended up like my issue with it was every pickup sounded too different from the next pickup so it was like mm. we I would try to load my guitars, say like for the road being like I want two like kind of semi-identical guitars. I'd put the same pickups in it and it would just like they would sound completely different. And it's mm. like I know there's a little bit of difference, like all my guitars, like, you know, for the most part, even if I do put similar pickups, there's a tiny bit difference, but it was like such a wide margin. I was like, this is like kind of I need something that I can actually depend on. Right. Do you ever, uh, do you have anything with P90s in it? I think I have, my parents actually got me an SG they found at a yard sale. I forget what the exact model is, but it's one from the like mid seventies. They found yeah. it at a yard sale for like pretty cheap. And they nice. were just like, oh, we got this to like resell. But if you want it, you can just have it. Like we didn't pay any money for it. And I wow. think it like, the mini p90s in it uh-huh nice. um, but like that's the guitar i always bring it to the studio but it like never ends up getting used it sounds really good but i also think the issue is it's like 
those pickups are such so specific sounding it's like when we start playing fast stuff it's like it they can't keep up it just gets right. lost <laughs> it just sounds yeah, like yeah. like a blob of sound yeah jeez yeah that that's something i, I stumbled on p90s about three two three years ago started whining them and i i i don't know why i didn't discover them earlier and i, I do some weird things i like to see what kind of like I, you can get all kinds of nerdy. There's a lot of really good pickup winders out there. I just like to throw wire, you know, get a, a good number of, of wire or a good amount of wire on there. Um, see how it sounds and go with it. And, uh, you know, stumbled on those. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Every, every time I wind a set, they go as soon as I get them done. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I play a lot of like, I play a lot of jazz masters and I don't change the pickups in all of them. So it's like, but sometimes it's just like, I guess, depending on the room, the jazz master pickups are like so shrill. Yeah. But some, it just sound will sound so good. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like, it's like I have guitars where I'm like, I wish I could take this guitar on tour, but I know it's going to sound different in every single room. It's either going to sound too muddy or just like squeal beyond control. So it's like, right. uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that about the P90s. I, I couldn't. I love. I love P90s. I, I love the the sound of those pickups. But you know, I, I couldn't do that with playing an emulation, playing super fast. Yeah. <laughs> with a P90, right. you know, I don't think it would work. You know, well, who could? Who knows? You know. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's like one thing too. It's like with doing so much studio work, it's like it's an excuse to buy different guitars where you're like, I would never play this live, but even if I use it on one or two riffs, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a certain part or something like that, you know, in the yeah. studio, you know, something it's, slow and open or something like that. You know? Yeah. I mean, I even bought a uh, Fender 12 string a couple years ago. And I mean, I like writings. I, I bought it to be like, let me try to write songs on it. It's like, I, you can actually play pretty fast on a 12 string surprisingly like everybody complains about it but as long as you have it set up well like i've come up with a bunch of different like fast like more death metal sounding riffs on a 12 string but it's still it's just like i don't want to take it on the road because it's like i don't have time to change 12 strings before a set like yeah and tune it you know yeah but yeah now it's become a guitar it's like anytime i want to do overdubs or like you know undertones right. for like a riff i have this 12 string it's just like i can put it underneath the the riff or over top of it and just makes it a completely different characteristic that you wouldn't hear yeah. in anything else right yeah. right what's your uh what's your next guitar you have your eye on so it's right now it's actually being set up i went to <laughs> atomic i went to atomic music in dc for the first time ever the other oh, day wow. like i'd never been and i was like did not plan on buying anything but i was like i know i'm gonna go in here and end up buying something but yeah. there was a i got a japanese uh jazz master from the 80s that was just like shoved in a corner and even the guy on the floor was like oh i didn't even know we had that he was like <laughs> He was like, yeah, just ask the guy, just talk to the guy at the counter and he'll probably give you a discount on it because none of us know that it's here. So right wow. now that's being set up for me, a white made in Japan, like Jazzmaster, I think I looked up the serial number. It's either from like 
8886 or 88. Oh wow, nice. Nice. Yeah. What are you having them do to it? Just putting like tuning it to like C standard. Yeah. Because like I like I said, full hell plays in C and E flat, but with mm -hmm. the jazz masters being like longer scale, it like right. sounds way better in C than it does in E. Right, right. Oh, that's cool. It, you was can that, always ask a guitar guy what his next guitar is. He'll always have it. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. He, he messaged me, what, as, I don't know, maybe like a week or two ago. And you were like, hey, he like he knows what I like. And he sends me this ESP. It was like a, like the junior you were talking about, Roger. You're like, oh, it looks yeah. like a junior, you know? And he's just like, oh, you see this? I'm like, yeah, I already got my eye on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But um, do you, um, you know, is it, is it like an evolution as far as, you know, your tuning, like with full hell, like you, you said that you, you guys are like in D and C now, now did that change over time as far as like the experimental tunings, you know, with having different tunings? Uh, so it was like for years, I would say up until 2018, we just only did anything in C standard. Um, it was just like a situation. It was like, I had a guitar that was dropped lower, like tuned way lower, but I was like, let me like tune it up. And it just, we ended up just sticking with C. And then I was playing music with a couple other guys. Like we were trying to do a, some like different sounding band, but it didn't end up working out. So I was like, I have like this guitar in E flat. It's like, I might as well try to write some newer stuff with full hell in a different tuning. And it's like, now we'll like, and it's also cool too. Cause it's like, now I have an excuse to bring like double the amount of guitars on tour. Like, yeah, <laughs> annoying, but it's also too cool to be like, Oh, you know, I, instead of two guitars, I can bring four or five guitars. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but it's like with the different, like the more like classic traditional, like rock tuning, it's like, we I end up writing way different sounding stuff than the C standard tuning. Yeah. Do you yeah, use absolutely. different gauges of strings when you go from E flat to C? Yeah. Uh I always use Ernie Ball stuff, but mm -hmm. E flat is just regular slinky. And then uh the C standard is burly burly slinky. I forget what the number right, is. Right. Like 46 to 11. It's like thick, but it's not too thick like i can still bend and right. i don't kill my hands right it's not like extension cords like alex plays with yeah <laughs> at one point i was doing but it was just like i don't have issues with my fretting hand it's like my picking hand i'll get like my thumb will get locked up so that's why i like had to go to lower strings right right as far as like writing when you guys are writing songs um you know, because I know Dylan does a lot of like effects and stuff like that, like you know, live. Um, sometimes do you, do you find that that maybe he comes up with something, or Dave or Sam comes up with like some kind of electronic sound, and, and you maybe write guitar parts around that? It's me. It's mainly me, just like writing riffs, and then I'm like, because that's like a thing too. It's like I don't want there to be effects or noise just for the sake of it like it needs mm -hmm. to fit in the song because if not it's going to become too distracting and become i think gimmicky so like i'll write a part and then once we get in the studio i'll like record it 
and listen to it and be like, okay, this part may seem a little barren. So it's either we have Dylan do like a sample or electronics, or we just do another overdub with a different sounding guitar. So it's mm -hmm. never, it's never like someone comes with like, like you said, like maybe like, oh, Sam has like a saxophone part that I write a guitar around. It's more of like, I always just come up with riffs. I mean, if you see our group chats, it's like, for the most part, it's me just being like, here's a new riff idea. Here's a new chord sequence idea. Like, and it's just, I probably send like two or three a week to the group chat and they might never be used, but I still want them to hear it. So eventually mm -hmm. down the road, we can be like, Oh, what about that riff? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you, you, you know, like for myself, I may write something and then, you, you, you know, you don't think much of it. And then somebody's like, Hey, that's, that's great. That thing you came up with, you know, we could use that with this, you know, and sometimes you forget about things and that's why it's good to have, you know, a stockpile of ideas, like you said, like I'll just keep sending stuff and, yeah. you know, see if it sticks, you know? Yeah. Cause even if it sucks, I'm still just like, I don't know how I feel about this. What do you guys think? And half the time they're like, Oh, that's like awesome. And I'm like, I don't know. And then we come back to it and turn it into a song. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you all, this is for kind of both of you, I guess. Um, I mean, the, the audience should be all, all types of people out there with all different kinds of knowledges and a lot of us just don't know like when you all are writing is there a person or a duo or does the whole band kind of like i have this riff i have this riff and then you put them all together how is that how's that process go well like with full of hell it's mainly i will come up with a riff or a full song and i'll bring it to our drummer because he lives right down the street from me Right. So me and him will jam it out. Like I'll send the riff to the group first where it's just guitar. Mm -hmm. And then say, if I get with our drummer, it might completely become a different beast. It might've been in my intention to be like, Oh, this should be a fast song. But then once we mm -hmm. start jamming, I'm like, actually like try to groove it a little more. And then it becomes mm -hmm. like a slow song or a mid tempo song, or like, right. you know, we just figure out different time signatures or whatever. So it's like, it's mainly just, like I said, it's just me and this one other guy. And then we show it to everyone else. And like, here's what we came up with, like right. kind of got ideas for everyone or being like, this is like the vibe I want come up with a riff, like similar to that. Mm -hmm. Well, how often, uh, how often does it, I mean, you just come up with something and everybody in the band is kind of like, man, where'd you come up with that? Like, I mean, it just doesn't come off well. I mean, sometimes, I mean, even sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I came up with this. Like, right. we got to, I guess we got to figure it out some way. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, especially too, because it's like, I'm, I got to a point in writing where I'm like, oh, I, it needs to be really technical sounding. And I've tried to kind of like gone back and looked at our previous stuff and been like, it was kind of dumb for me to write this way because now it's like yeah we can play it live but it's going to be a pain in the ass to play it live oh, yeah. so like like kind of reel myself in but now it's gotten to the point where it's like yeah the riff might sound easy but the way it sits on top of the drums it's like oh great this riff is in 7-4 when I thought it was going to be in 4-4 right right that's interesting see that, that that's a perspective I, I never would have dreamt of 
Uh, you I guys ever like? Yeah. Do you, do you guys ever like jam? Like, because um, it sounds like you know sometimes when you guys play live, like it just sounds like you guys are like certain parts like improv, you know. And do the four of you guys ever get together and just like write stuff where you guys are just jamming and you know just going for it or whatever, just coming up with an idea and just jam for like forty minutes on one thing. I mean, mainly it'll be like. It, like usually I'll bring a riff to Dave, our drummer, and I'm like, all right, play this, play this over this, and we'll do it. And I'm like, all right, that's all I have for right now. Let's try to like, what do you think should be next? It's never like we never just get in there and like try to improvise. It's more of like we kind of sit down and like, what do you think should be next? Like should it be this style riff or should it be this style riff? Should it be like a kind of coarse sounding thing? Like, yeah. Like with the live stuff that just became like, there's like a couple different bands that were influenced. That's more like, I would like avant-garde. I mean, look at a band like we've discussed it on tour before. Like look at a band like Swans, like they'll play one mm -hmm. song for like an hour and a half, just jamming yeah. it. And it's like, we've always taken inspiration from like that type of stuff of being like, all right, how about in the middle of this song, we like devolve and make it more like jazz sounding, just jam it out kind of thing for like however long we want to. And then like try to get back into it as clean as possible. It's like, that's, that's more of like a thing that we like discuss before like a tour, but we never like, there's never writing sessions like that really. Yeah. I think that would be interesting because I could see you guys doing something like that. Just a recording of like kind of like a 40 minute song. Of, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it could be cool, but it also could be like, all right, this is kind of getting annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds cool with the three of us. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything sounds cool with three guys in a room, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it depends on the room too, because it could even sound like crap depending on the room. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would yeah, um, I could definitely I, something like that. That would be cool. But would what thought. do you all have coming up? I know you all are playing a Fillmore here locally here pretty soon, right in the spring. Yeah, uh, we got a tour with uh, Dying Fetus in the spring. Uh, we have a few different recordings that we're like finishing up right now and then uh yeah i mean we're taking a little break from uh going to europe but uh we're kind of figuring out some like over other overseas stuff at the moment like places we've not been in like almost a decade so don't i can't spoil it right now yeah, but yes. we're, it's being worked on at least good deal nice um you know, do you, is is there anything that you know? Is, is there any goals that you have as far as musically? Like you feel like you're still trying to get to that place? You know, um, you know, because if you guys, you know, you guys been around 15 years now. You guys got a lot of records out. Um, but is there is there any kind of like you know like do you, do you feel like you're still searching? You're still trying to get to this point uh, as a as a writer. I mean my thing is and i think it's like with every musician i mean i i can't speak for every musician but i would assume most of us think the same 
it's more of like, I don't want to get to a point where it feels like I'm stagnating. So it's like, yeah. I keep like pushing myself to do stuff. It's, n it's never me personally being like, Oh, I didn't do this on this record or I didn't do this. Like it wasn't flashy enough. It's more of along the lines of being like, man, I can't feel like I'm not doing something with music. Like I can't feel like, Oh, I'm just sitting at home. Like the, the at least with like, when COVID was happening, like we weren't able to tour, but we were like, why don't we like just write a bunch of music? Why don't we start a bunch of side bands? Why don't we like, you know, we did like mm -hmm. a live session and we did some like reissues and like remasters and stuff. So it's like, as long as we're doing something, I'm content. As soon as it's like, I'm sure like you feel this way after a tour, it's like, it's nice to be home the first day. And then three days later, you're like, all right, man, I need to get playing again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even want to see the guitar for a couple of days, but then I'm just like, pick it up. And and then I feel inspired to write because I'm away from the road and all the insanity of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah, you know how it, you know how it is. It's like, yeah, it's, it's nice being like seeing the family again, but then you're like, man, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are yeah. you having fun though? What was that? Are you having fun? Yeah, I still have fun. I mean, now getting older, like it's a lot different touring when I was 19 compared to being like almost 35 and being like, all right, I, you know, it's a lot, more, <laughs> a lot more aches and pains and worrying oh, yeah. about like making sure the bills are paid while I'm on the road. Well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll look into the future for it. It gets way easier when you're 56. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. That was a lie. Before yeah. you got on, I was talking about my shoulder hurting and uh with yeah, arms falling off. And you yeah. you know all my Spencer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't you don't think about it when you're like a teenager being like, yeah, my back's gonna be fine driving for like 10 hours a day every single day. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, when yeah. you get on stage, you kind of forget about that. You know, it's like that yeah. adrenaline takes over. And and then you know, all the stuff in between is you know can be a downer, you know. But once yeah. you get on stage, you're just like, okay, this is why I'm here, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's like my my favorite part of touring is playing i don't like any other aspect of it i can take it or leave it but as long as i get to play and as long as people are like excited and still into it like that's all that matters definitely yeah, absolutely yeah do you uh do you see I, I know we've talked about uh we'll go back in the near, nerd area for a minute um uh, we we've talked about like the pedals and the gear and the amps. Do you ever, I, I guess this is going to be my question every week, Alex, do you ever see yourself going to any of the modeling like the ax effects or any of that kind of stuff? No. And that's simply because like, I'm like bad enough trying to figure out stuff on like a standard computer, or, like setting up a new TV. Like I yeah. can't imagine <laughs> if there is some issue being on the road on the fly, like me trying to figure out how to like reprogram something that just sounds like a yeah. nightmare. I mean, yeah. it's bad enough when you're on tour and an amp explodes and like, at least you can go to like a local store or guitar center and pick it right, pick up something right there. Like 
if something like that goes down, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. Right. It's funny. It, it reminds me, I, I know a, a local guitar teacher, a, a good friend of mine. And, and if he's watching this, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He said he has one student that's an older guy and he's like, I just want to take that guitar and plug it into that amp and make a noise. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do anything else. No programming, no nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just like, and I mean, too, it's like with any technology, it's like it's constantly changing. So who's to say like one thing you have two years ago is completely obsolete three years from now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. True. I'm still the so, same. I'm the same way. Straight into yeah. a tube amp and <laughs> yeah, a couple I pedals, mean, and that's, that's it. It's all I need, you know. And, and too, like, yeah, that works. And like, there's even some like bands, like, you know, they are able to like use it tastefully and blend it with like an amp or stuff. But it's like I've also seen it too, where it's like they're just di box in. Yeah, it sounds good up front, but as soon as you like go to the side or anywhere else, it's just like you just hear the strings plunk and you don't actually hear the amps. Well, yeah. And it, I think at some point it, it and companies will probably hate to hear me say this, but uh, you know, it, it almost like, if you can make a single coil strat sound like eruption on an eruption setting, then I mean, there has to be a little fakeness to it. Maybe I guess you were saying and me, me like when I'm winding a pickup, I can't hear how that pickup is going to actually sound unless I play it through a tube amp, you know, because yeah. I can put it through uh, the the fractal and it's going to sound like anything I tell it to say. Yeah. I had a preset for Ozzy Osbourne or Randy Rhodes and Crazy Train. It's going to sound like Crazy Train. Well, that's that's another thing, too. And it's like, I'm sure Alex can relate. It's like, yeah, we've gotten to the point in our bands where it's like, you know, we're playing nicer stages and stuff like that. But it's also, too, like you get in these weird, you get to some places and you're like, I can't hear myself at all but mm -hmm. at least with a tube amp you can still kind of play to feel like you can still feel the amp under your feet and still be able to like control it compared to like unless you have like in-ears or something like that like you're just like completely losing that feel and it's like right. once you, once you're lost you're kind of lost you know right. so it's like, yeah. I, a big thing with me too it's like i need to feel the sound not just hear it i need to feel it right right yeah, yeah don't get me wrong I, I as somebody that watches concerts especially local bands i i mean there there's a place for those like smaller venues uh i can tell you i i like having a discussion with my wife and friends while you're listening to a band sometimes you know if you're having dinner or whatever so there's a place for it yeah um, maybe not where you all are playing <laughs> yeah well i mean even going back to like when like I was not playing with Fool Hell, I was playing with like one of my other side bands this weekend, and we went to a big music store, not Atomic, a different big music store outside of DC. And the other uh, guitar player who just started playing with Fool Hell, he plays bass in this other band, but he still like likes to check out guitar stuff. Uh, he was like, "Can I try out this amp?" And the guy, like the guy that was working the floor, was like, "Why?" He was like, you, this, this isn't like, it's too heavy. Why would you ever need something like this? And it's like, mm -hmm. some people like that. And then we hear him talking to a guy around the, like the other aisle, like trying a fractal, like, or, you know, one of the digital things and being like, 
yeah, wh- why do you need a big amp? It's not like you guys are playing Madison Square Gardens. It's like, I hate, I hate that aspect. It's always like, there's people don't realize that it's like there are musicians that live in a certain spectrum that are playing yeah we might not be playing dive bars but it's like i hate the mindset of like someone underselling you because you're like why you're never going to be playing in a stadium why do you need this and it's like maybe because i like the way it sounds maybe i want it right exactly we'll just want what they want right yeah you know, speaking speaking of the uh, guitar player you just mentioned, uh, I forgot to ask you about that. Um, how did that come about with you guys getting? Because uh, you've always been the guitar player in the band. Yeah. And how did that come about getting a second guitarist? So, like, I just, I mean, we've been, like I said, we've been touring nonstop since I was like 19 years old. It's like we've been around the world multiple times at this point, and it was just, it got to the point where I was like, I need to take a break personally from doing some of like the flying and dealing with airports and like all of that. So it Mm -hmm. just became too much. So me and like I said, I have known him since he, he like grew up down the street from me. Like, I think he's Sam or bass players age who also grew up down the street from me. Like I'm probably like seven or eight years older than both of those guys. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I started, like, I've just known him from the neighborhood, and we, like, ended up jamming on this. We have a band called Reaper's Gong, which is just, like, a punk band. And when I was like, hey, I need to take a break from doing overseas stuff. Like, do you want to fill in for me? He was, like, the first person I thought of because he will pl- he will fill in and play, like, bass for HR from the Bad Brains, like, we'll do a reggae set with him like on the fly. Like he would get called up being like, Hey, can you do session work tonight? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he'll just like come in and learn all the HR reggae stuff. Like in the moment I was like, you're, you're the guy that I want you to fill in for me. And eventually got to the point where I was just like, you know, I like, we've been a band long enough. Like I want to start expanding our sound. Like we might as well just add a second guitar player. And it's like, this guy already knows most of our back catalog. It's like, why wouldn't we ask him to join as a second guitar? Like he's smart enough to figure out stuff to like play with me or like counterpoints to me. So it's like, mm-hmm. it just worked out. Like he's a very good musician. Like and he actually knows like theory and stuff like <laughs> that. So. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I was curious about that so i never knew what the deal was with the you know the second guitar player yeah it was just it just like i said it got to the point where i was just like those guys were on tour in europe with him and i was like do you think we should just ask him to join full time instead of filling in and we we're like yeah sure so while you're on the road they're like hey do you want to be a full-time member and he was like very excited what, I was, mean, that like? what was that what was that like with a second guitar player like you know like was it is an easy transition when you got two guitar players playing? Because yeah, all these years you need one guitarist in the band. It's it's easy too because he understands like subtlety. He understands what serves the song. Like, yeah, he might be like a super talented guitar player, but that's like anyone can be a talented guitar player and not know how to play with a band. He actually knows how to play with a band and like not be flashy be flashy when it needs to be not like try to undermine me, not try to like step on her toes. Like 
that's why like people have asked me too, or being like, Oh, it's so cool that you got this guy, like this local guy, like you guys have done enough that you could just like have hit up a session musician or somebody. And I'm like, why would I do that? Like we, I mean, I don't consider us important or anything. Why wouldn't I ask this like local kid that I've seen grow up play second guitar? I mean, it's more yeah, fun, yeah. It's more fun to like sit there and try to like, mold somebody than try to work with someone that has a preconceived notion. Wow. That's awesome. You kept it in the family, you know, and, and uh, you know, because sometimes you get an outsider, it just doesn't work. You know, it's yeah. like, you don't know what the person's about. So yeah. Oh, nice. it's like, yeah. It's like, like I said, people have like, they have, it's like people have preconceived notions seeing that our bands like travel the world and don't understand like how much hard work it is. They're just like, Oh yeah, you're, you're traveling the world. You must be a billionaire at this point. And it's like, no, you got to like roll with the punches. Right. Uh, well, and I, I, I agree. It, and it doesn't matter if you're talking about band stuff or, or my former career or whatever, you can get the most talented person out there. If it's not a good fit, a good match, they can absolutely yeah. upset the apple cart. Yeah. 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 And that's like, I think personalities sometimes comes before, you know, skill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you that's, know? What, like, that's what we always say. It's like, even when we're like working with a sound person or a merch person or something, they're like, the first question is, is like, can they actually hang? Can they, is it, yeah. are they going to be, are they going to like be a pain to be on the road with? Or are they going to be like cool and be like, all right, I understand that like, being in a band most of the time is very boring. You know, it's mainly yeah, right. <laughs> sitting around for 12 hours a day and then playing for an hour. If that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. True. True. So, yeah. so for guys, I, I got to see Alex and the guys a little bit in Richmond. So what is a typical day on tour? Uh, you wake up at like, you figure out the day before, like from the tour book or whatever, like, okay, this is the long of the drive. Like I, like, I always make sure that we try to get to the venue at least an hour before actual sound check. It's like, yeah, the show might not be for another five hours, but it's like, I would rather be bored sitting in front of the venue than be rushing to a show right. late and feeling, feeling anxious. So most of the time it's like sitting in the van, for five to 10 hours a day, getting to the venue, sit, setting up, bringing all your stuff in. If you're like headlining, setting up so you can sound check, sound check, set up everything for like an hour, then just sit backstage from like five o'clock until you're set around 10 o'clock. So it's main, mainly sitting around. And then depending on the next drive, it's like, all right, let's load up as quick as we can so we can drive like two hours and at least try to get five hours of sleep. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's, that, that sounds like about as real as you could probably describe it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I would know, but it, it was an educational experience for me just listening. Yeah, it's it's mainly sitting and going. That's it. Right. <laughs> sitting yeah. and going. You, you find yourself like, like for me, I, I come home and okay uh two o'clock sound check you know and i'm just like you know because yeah. you get this used to that routine every day you know yeah either that it's like you know the first couple of days i'm just like 
completely wiped out. Like I need to like, you know, sleep, sleep for days. But then it's like, yeah, you're right. It's like you wake up and you're like, you know, two o'clock. You're like, man, I should be doing, I should be loading in right now. I should be whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I don't think that, you know, when I, I, until I started talking to a, a lot of people in band, and of course, Alex, uh, you know, you don't realize how much hard work goes into it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, you just know what you think in your head it is. And it's all like, oh, they just show up and they're rock stars and they play and you don't think of anything else. That's yeah, all it is, is what we see. And I mean, too, it's like, not only is it like a lot of physical hard work, it's like a lot of mental hard work because it's like, yeah, you got to like not go crazy just sitting in yeah. one spot for eight hours a day. Right, right. Yeah. Very true. Well, yeah. well, I guess, uh, Roger, if, you know, if you don't have anything to add, um, you know, I was going to ask you, you know, about the um, the tour coming up with Bang Fetus when that starts and who, who all the bands are on the tour. Um, it starts in. Uh, end of april and goes to mid may we're not able to do like the last week of the tour just because dylan our singer like he has to get back home to his like wife and kid um Mm -hmm. but it's dying fetus and then full of hell's direct support and then 200 stab wounds uh which is like a like brutal death metal band from ohio but we've known mm-hmm. all of those kids since they were like 13 years old coming to full of hell shows when they were little kids. And then uh, the opening band is this band uh, from Japan called cruelty. Okay, cool. Sounds like a, a pretty stacked lineup. I think it's yeah. going to be a really war. Should be awesome. awesome. Like, yeah. Cool, man. Roger, you got anything else to add or. No, no, man, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great meeting you, great talking with you tonight. Yeah, and, you as well. Yeah, it was a good learning yeah. experience, too. Cool. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for having, you know, coming on the show, Spencer. And, uh, you know, it was a blast talking with you. And uh, hopefully we do some touring again soon so me, you, and Dylan can sit up and have our late night discussions. Yeah. You know, for late night, three hour story time. Wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's that all about? I mean, you know, we just we just like hearing hearing about the, the good old days, you know. Oh, oh it, it's oh, the younger man. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that's funny. All right, cool guys. Well, thanks for having hey, me. Thanks, thanks yeah, man. Thanks for Spencer. All right, man. Later. Have a good night. Take care. Yep. Cool.